0: Well, this morning, if you will, join me by taking a, your copy of the Word of God that you have there in your lap and turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 16. We'll be there in just a few moments. We have made it a point in our church family here of, of late to listen to Holy Spirit as He's been telling us you need to get back to your first love. You need to get back to the main thing being the main thing. And the main thing being to reaching out to lost and unchurched folks with the gospel of Jesus Christ to include them in what God is doing in our lives as well. And this has really been snowballing on top of us. This is the point of our spear. Nothing else as important as this. We're getting back and evaluating everything as it relates to just this. Seeing people come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So with that in mind, God's also putting quite a burden on us, a burden for those that don't know the Lord. You know, we took one Sunday, that's all we did is we we searched our hearts, God, who is it in my, my circle of influence or in my neighborhood or where I go to school or where I work that doesn't know you? And we began praying for those folks and asking God not only to move in their lives but to move in our lives to enable us to share our story and to share the gospel with them. And this burden, hear me folks, has just been getting stronger and stronger as we go. Are you heavy hearted about folks that don't know the Lord? Do you find yourself with a heavy weight on your heart? for people who are without Christ that live all the way around us. It's really been impressed upon me to the point that Holy Spirit has put a burden on my shoulders for those who are lost in our community. Holy Spirit has stirred my soul, especially today, at the ugly, ugly future awaiting those who do not know the Lord. And we're going to read in a few moments from Luke chapter 16. And we're going to catch a glimpse of what happens to someone after they have died and they don't know the Lord. It's almost as if Holy Spirit is is ripping the lid off of Hades or hell to where we get a glimpse inside and we can see what's really going on here. Now I, I know as I begin to, sh- to speak on the subject of Hades or hell, that this is ridiculed in our day by so many different ones. But I tell you what, I stand with the scriptures and the Bible says, let God be true even if every man is a liar. And that's where I'm going to hang out. That's where I'm going to hang my hat. There are those that, that attack the idea of hell along the lines of rationalism. The rationalist says there is no God, so therefore there can be no hell. Charles Darwin, years ago the father of evolutionism, said hell is a damnable doctrine. But I say let God be true and every man a liar. This ridicule, there are those who would ridicule by saying if, there may be a God but it's silly to speculate about millions of disembodied spirits frying in a lake of fire and brimstone somewhere in the early days of the 20th century. Uh, Robert Ingersoll, a famous atheist, he said, The idea of hell is born out of revenge and brutality on one side and cowardice on the other. I have no respect for any man who preaches this this doctrine at all. I hate it, I despise it, I defy it. Let God be true and every man a liar. The religionist says, well, if there is a God, then he's a God of love and therefore he would never send anyone to hell. Christian science says, hell is an error in the modern mind. Jehovah's Witnesses, the wicked will not be punished, they will simply be annihilated. Mormonism, all will eventually be saved and will not suffer eternal punishment. Seventh-day Adventist, God will someday blot out all sin and sinners and establish a clean universe once again. The lost will simply be burned up as broom sage. Let me make something very clear to you folks. God never has... And He never will send anyone to hell. He never has. He never will. Tony read from that passage. We we all know John 3.16 by heart. I encourage you to go ahead and memorize 17 and 18 as well. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Listen, I want you to hear this very carefully. God's never sent anyone to hell. If you get to hell, you've got to paddle your own canoe to get there. You've got to get there of your own determination and your own effort. Much of what is, we know about hell in the Bible, so much of it comes... From the very lips of Jesus. Throughout the whole Bible, there's 120 references to eternal punishment. 70 of those are on the lips of Jesus. Of the 12 times the actual word itself is used in your New Testament, it's on the lips of Jesus 11 times. Let's appeal to somebody who should know. Okay? And with that, I want you to go with me to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Some people refer to this beginning in verse 19 as a parable. But many scholars don't believe it's a parable at all. I don't believe it's a parable. Because he's talking about specific people that those who are listening to him knew. They knew exactly who he was talking about when he spoke of the rich man. They knew exactly who he was talking about when they spoke of Lazarus. So this is not a story. This is what Jesus' know actually happened. Luke 16, beginning with reading with verse 19. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked at his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, or your Bible may say hell, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those pass from you to us. And then he said, Well, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let him hear them. But he said, no, Father Abraham, if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we know on this side of the resurrection, on, on this side of Pentecost, we know that he was speaking of himself, he was speaking of, of himself, the Son of God, that even if one would come back from the dead, there would be those who would still not believe. And today, Lord, we're surrounded by those who mock the whole idea of eternal judgment and punishment. And yet, Lord, we find in your Word it is replete, it is replete with the reality that the soul that sins so surely die. Lord, help us take a little peek this morning. Take us, let us look just for a moment. We can't stand to look very long. But let us look just for a moment at this place called hell. Lord, those of us who are here today that are saved, may this put a fire under our feet to share with our brothers and sisters around the world, our neighbors, our friends, the gospel and our story, that they would never go to a place like this. Father, those here today that have not embraced you yet as their Savior and Lord, those who are watching by means of of Internet, Lord, I would pray that even now they would see the reality of their future apart from you and turn their heart to you. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to see a few things about this place that are glaringly apparent from the Scripture. First of all, hell is a place of sensation. That's in your notes. Hell is a place of sensation. You see, the rich man, he could see. He could hear. He could speak. He could feel. He had desires, he had needs, he could think, he could express himself. He was totally there. He was totally, sensually there. I want you to know something. There is an element in which when we die that our body stays right there in the grave. But there is some physical aspect that we will bear with us. Whether we go straight to paradise or we go straight to Hades, there is a physical aspect that is either blessed when we're with the Lord or we are in absolute turmoil and torment if we're in the place called hell. This was a place of sensation for him. He could sense what was going on. Never believe for a moment, not for the slightest part of a moment, that when you die, you're just gone, and it's over and done with. The Scripture says, No! It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, there is... And after this, after this, there is judgment. That's the Word of God. Hell is a place of sensation. But hell is also a place of separation. You look at verse 26. He found himself separated from from Abraham, from Lazarus, for all that was good and wholesome and beautiful. He was separated. And I want you to see that as Abraham responded to him, he said, between us there is a gulf that is fixed. It, it, It will not be moved. It cannot be trespassed. This gulf is fixed. Understand there is a place of eternal separation. No doubt that separation as you read here is a separation from everything that is good and godly and wholesome and pure and honest. The rich man will never see another sunrise or a sunset. He will never again catch the fragrance of a beautiful flower. He will never again hear the laughter of an innocent child. He will never ever hear somebody say I love you. Never again. Because hell is devoid of anything that is good and wholesome and positive. And not only that, but he will never hear or see anything that will ever point him towards God again. He'll never hear another sermon. He'll never hear another gospel song. He'll never hear anybody else plead with his soul to be saved. It's a time of separation. And probably what is most important damning about hell itself. is just separated literally from the presence of God for all time and eternity. Paul writes in Second Thessalonians 1, 8, 9, "...since it is a righteous thing that God would repay with tribulation those who trouble you, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His angels, in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ." There shall be punished, they shall be punished with, listen, an everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from his glory forever. Being separated from God. It's a place where there is no mercy, a place there is no grace, a place there is no love, a place there is no presence of God. It's a place of separation. It's not only a place of sensation and separation, <coughs> but it's also a place of suffering. Intense suffering. When you look at verse 24, 25, and 28, there's a vivid picture. And that picture is wrapped up in one word. He says, I am in torment. Another word, another translation for that is, I am being tortured. And this is in, in the Greek language, what is known as the continuous presence tense. Which means it's not something that's done one time and done. It's something that continues on and on and on with no hope of it being over. I am tormented in this flame. And, and you don't just find this in this one passage. Many different places in the Bible, especially the New Testament, is held described as a place of suffering and torment. It's a place of unquenchable fire in Mark chapter 9. It's a place of, of never-ending misery, Revelation 14. A place of frustration and anger, Luke 13. A place of eternal separation in Revelation 21. A place of undiluted wrath from God being poured out on all that is there. Let me tell you part of what that suffering is like. There is an utter hopelessness. An utter hopelessness to the soul that is in hell. They are utterly alone. Herefore it's saying, well, I may go to hell, but I'll go there with all my friends. Listen, there's no friends in hell. The only place that you find fellowship with friends is in heaven. In hell you are utterly alone. Utterly alone. Alone in all of the suffering that you're going through. A time of utterly loneliness. Now, now the, the hopelessness is true of even people that are lost here on, on planet earth right now. But there's a hope. And the hope is that one day they'll hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and be saved. But once they're dead, it's over. There's no amount of prayers or offerings to the church that can spring them out. The Bible says there's an utter li- hopelessness there. There is no rescue coming. There's no rescue. It's forever. And the only sound you hear is your own screams. This is hell. This is the suffering of hell. But one thing I, I, I think that makes it, oh, there's the word here in this passage, remember. The memory is very much alive. Every sermon that a lost man has ever heard, he'll be able to remember word for word for word. Every witness that was ever born to that lost person, they'll remember. Word for word for word. That church service where they begged and pleaded with him to come to faith in Christ, he'll remember every prayer that he's ever heard or she's ever heard of someone begging God for their soul. The memory is very much alive, and it's part of the torment, part of the torture. My friends, how can you stand it? How can you bear the weight of knowing someone you love is going to spend eternity like this? How do you stand and sing a gospel song knowing there's somebody you care about, somebody that you have an opportunity now to share the gospel with? How how do you stand it? How can you sit back and watch them walk the plank to fall off into the utter abyss? How do you stand it? Help me. Help me, because I can't. My heart's breaking over this. i got too many people that I know and love to watch them go into this godless, painful place. So if you can stand it, if you can handle it, tell me how. Tell me how you get by, how you deal with the pain. How do you deal with the agony of knowing, like we learned last night last week, that their blood will be on your hands. How do you handle that? Because I can't. It's driving me bonkers. It was a place of utter suffering. It's a place of sensation, separation, and suffering, but it's also a place of stubbornness. If you look at verses 24 through 31, even going through all of this torment, this man had not changed.